I'm Paul Heron, and this is the fourth episode of the Anna Eastneen podcast. Today, we'll examine the end of Anna Eastneen's life, which is documented in her final diaries, The Book of Music and The Book of Pain, which, until now, have been almost completely unknown to the public. At the peak of her fame, Neen was diagnosed with cancer in 1969, and radiation was used to treat the tumor. She was told she was cured, miraculously so. She resumed her activities, traveling around the world, lecturing, doing interviews, editing her diaries. She was, after all, a celebrity. Her diaries had propelled her from obscurity to stardom, and for the first time, money was coming in. She grasped every opportunity to enjoy her new status. But the constant activity was taking a toll. She was in her late 60s and never had a strong constitution to begin with. She was hospitalized a few times in the early 70s for bleeding and was treated with radiation. Each time she believed she was cured. Apparently, one of the only people that knew this wasn't true was her physician, Dr. Mark Weston. He failed to convey the gravity of the disease to her. Thinking she was in good health, she jumped right back into her whirlwind life, including a much-desired trip to Bali in the summer of 1974. In December of that year, Neen writes in the Book of Pain, Since January 1974, I have lived with pain and diminished energy. The radiation did not stop the bleeding. The doctor explains the bleeding not as a symptom of cancer, but as seepage from an incision that did not heal. During my trip to Bali, when I wanted to feel well, I had to take Darvon. Now I have to take Darvon every four hours. I feel dragged down. On January 5, 1975, Neen writes, The pain increased, became unbearable, so Dr. Weston made me take the tests, two days in the hospital, then home again to await the results. The day before New Year's, I was told the cancer is threatening the urethra and the intestines. I cannot have any more radiation. There's no alternative to surgery. Rupert's love flared into passion, passionate care and sensual passion, saying plainly, Don't leave me. You are my life, which makes me feel wanted, loved, desired. I tried to think the surgery might be good, deliver me of the cancer, prolong my life. I keep thinking of that. We stopped working at the diary. The painkillers dulled me. I couldn't work. So here I am tonight in Cedars of Lebanon. It is nearby, so Rupert will come. Tomorrow there will be anesthetic and a probe. The night before last, when Rupert made love so passionately and we drank champagne, I felt I should be grateful, grateful to have attained a great love and to have been given love for my work. The test revealed the cancer had spread, and the surgery resulted in a fistula, which is defined as an abnormal organ connection. In the Book of Pain, Neen theorizes the fistula was a result of weakened tissue caused by an appendectomy she had as a child. Neen says, When they operate, They make a bypass so the food will go the right way, but this means an artificial drain, a planned hole, and a bag in another place. We all hope it will heal as the first one finally did after two months when I was a child. 
so there is hope of healing. But it did not heal, and the bag became a chronic problem. Neen says some months later, The continuous torment of the leaking bag, the overactive fistula, hours spent lying in bed waiting for the nurse, the anxiety when a visitor comes that the leak should happen, awakening to find it has burst, wearing a dress I love and a fistula staining it, getting up two or three times a night to empty the bag, the feeling of an impure body. I often weep. By May of 1975, Dean began seeing a Dr. Falcon, who specialized in what he called alpha waves and unusual energies. He tried to get Neen to meditate and to tap into what he called universal energy, energy not only from within, but from the universe, and focus it on curing herself. He said, you only die when you want to. He later added, about medicine, chemotherapy, all I will say is if you believe it will do you good, it will. If you can achieve by your own energy a reversal of the cancer, all the better. You won't need the medicine. This was the 1970s, when alternative medicine was blooming, giving rise to healers, some of whom achieved cult status and whose followers considered themselves disciples. There was a stark division between traditional and alternative philosophies, and a certain contempt existed between them. Around this time, Neen's two traditional doctors, Dr. Weston and Dr. Wade, waged a power struggle over who would treat her. Wade won out. Since Neen felt Weston was an autocrat and a terrible psychologist, she was pleased with the outcome. But this conflict and all the pain she was in were pushing both her and Rupert towards alternative medicine. Throughout the rest of 1975, Neen continued seeing Dr. Falcon, but her attempts at meditation failed. She was unable to quiet herself and to avoid the distraction of constant pain and fears of the bag leaking, which it frequently did, causing searing pain and humiliation. Neen realized that she would not be able to go back to New York, that she may never see her legal husband, Hugo Geiler, again. Guilt was becoming an increasingly difficult burden to carry, often superseding all her other problems. In December of 1975, she had to go to the hospital to have the fistula drained. It was then she met Brew Joy, a former doctor who was now an alternative healer. Neen writes, Dr. Joy came. He investigated the possibility of martyrdom, which made me conscious of sacrifice, atonement, and guilt. And I was back in a well of guilt. Hugo, of course. Dr. Joy said I would not get well until I lived truthfully and were free of Hugo. This began a year-long process of trying to gain absolution from Geiler. He finally relented and wrote a tender letter, absolving Neen of all her guilt only weeks before she died. In the meantime, Neen describes her stance concerning her care in a December 1975 entry from the Book of Pain. After my relapse, I began to lose faith in Western medicine. The aim of Eastern teaching is to summon up one's energy and courage, to remove the energy leaks, demands of people for prefaces, letters, visits, to find out the cause for stress, worry, etc. These people are healers. They try to summon your own energy to eliminate negative thoughts and discouragement. 
They come with a love and tenderness which is unbelievable. They are the new America, as spiritual as the other was criminally greedy. Dean continued to see Dr. Joy at Pohl's insistence, and they often visited him at his remote sky-high ranch, which required a grueling drive. Neen describes her treatment in this August 1976 entry from the Book of Music. The group consists of people who believe in holistic medicine. We sit in a circle on huge pillows. We hold hands. Then Brew places me on a high table and passes his hands over my body. Then each member of the group lays their hands on me, one by one. I felt such energy entering me that I felt compelled to leave the table and dance. But for the dizziness, I would have danced. But as it was, I made just a few gestures. But the effect of the healing was startling. But the drive back often resulted in pain far worse than if she had not gone at all. During the return from one of these trips, the consequences were so dire she never returned, Neen says. One day we drove two hours to Brewjoy's ranch. He and his disciples lay hands on me, giving me energy. But on the way back, the bag leaked, and the acids of the stomach burnt my skin for a week of pain. Too much! Too much! I cried out. Then the sciatic nerve made me scream out with pain. They stopped that at the hospital with a nerve block. Only a month after this entry, Neen's condition deteriorated to the point where she was hospitalized for the final time in November 1976. In the Book of Music, the very last entry, written in her hand, says, November 26, I went to the hospital and died, died among the clean sheets, medicines, finished like an insect. On January 8, 1977, Neen dictated her final entry to Paul who wrote it down in the book of music. I want to go back to Paris, not to live. I just want to sit with Rupert at a little bistro on Saint-Germain-de-Prés. I feel I didn't show Paris to Rupert properly. There's that little table, the only table on the sidewalk. I want Rupert to see that. The first thing I noticed about Rupert was that he had intuition as well as a practical mind. Annie Eastneen died six days later, on January 14, 1977, at Cedars-Sinai in Los Angeles at the age of 73. While planning the seventh and final diary of Annie Eastneen, she went against her editor's wishes and chose to end it in 1974, when she took perhaps the most symbolically fulfilling trip of her life to Bali. And now we're going to play a portion of the last known recording Annie Eastneen made commenting on the Balinese rituals surrounding death. The photographers, of course, were everywhere. The music was part of the march. The women carried babies. Um, the colors that they wore were absolutely superb. Certain tones of orange and melon, fruit, of course, and all the possible colors of flowers. And they walked very slowly in the sun. And once the tower has achieved its second or its third turn, 
to confuse the spirits, then it kept a straight way along the main road, and then it crossed a field, and in this field were the minor, minor uh, burial towers, the smaller ones waiting to join the procession. They were the same as the large tower, but uh, in small size, modest size, and those were the poor people getting buried at the same time. So for, for the moment they were waiting there in this field, uh, which just simply shone with gold and color and mirrors and reflections and also a mood of joyousness because since they consider death a passage into a better world, their attitude was that this was something to celebrate. So the smaller temples, the smaller towers, uh, finally joined the end of the procession and all continued to walk very slowly to the burial grounds. When we reached the burial grounds, the tower was allowed to be dismantled. That is, the things that they wanted to keep for the next ceremony, like the mirrors or the scarves or some decorative motif, a statuette or a carving, uh, whatever could be preserved and they didn't want burnt, they were allowed to take down. The popular, the, the people were allowed to take it down. Then came a, an animal, awfully difficult to describe because it was a cross between a, a cow, a sacred cow, and um, blank, a unicorn. Um, the symbolism was that death was a return to the womb, and so the body was taken away from the tower and put inside the belly of this papier-mâché animal. And it was the animal that was set on fire, and as it was set on fire, the bird was freed because it was a, the soul flying back to its other life. This has been the Anna East Neen Podcast. For more on this topic, read Anna East Neen, The Last Days by Barbara Kraft, which can be found at any electronic bookseller. Thanks for listening. Until the next time.